You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Editor-in-Chief. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. and welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. I am Sandy, and on the phone, I've got Jeremiah McElwee, who is the Senior Vice President of Merchandising and Product Development at Thrive Market. Hi, Jeremiah. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about packaging, um, specifically uh, what CPG brands can do to uh, help increase the sustainability and reduce the carbon footprint of their packaging. Jeremiah will also be speaking at our Supply Side West workshop, Sustainable, Safe, and Sanctioned Packaging for CPG Brands. That's on Friday, October 18th at 9 a.m. So Jeremiah has 25 years experience in the natural product industry. At Thrive, which is a zero waste carbon neutral retailer of non-GMO foods, he oversees the private label product development. Thrive has launched 460 private label products across all categories with another 500 in development. And honestly, I don't know if that stat is updated or not, but maybe Jeremiah can clue us in. Yeah, actually, we're, we're, <laughs> we're closer to 610 now with another 500 in development. Amazing. All right, 610. <laughs> so prior to Thrive, uh, Jeremiah Great. served seven years as the executive global coordinator for the beauty, apparel, and wellness categories at Whole Food Market. During his tenure there, he pioneered multiple industry quality standard initiatives, including the largest sustainable packaging guidelines for a major retailer. In February 2013, Jeremiah launched GIST, which stands for Growth, Innovation, Sustainability, and Transparency, which is a think tank for natural products. Uh, It's a consulting agency that helps create sustainable solutions and consciously sourced market-driven products. So clearly, Jeremiah has the chops here to talk about uh, packaging. Uh, My first question is, why is it so important for food brands to consider the environmental impact of their products? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge question and and uh something I've wrestled with for a long time in my career. In fact, um going back now, gosh, over 10 years ago when we launched the premium body care standard at Whole Foods Market and and removed you know roughly 300 chemicals from personal care products back then, um you know literally that that moment was the start of my journey into packaging and really diving into that supply side of the supply chain when uh, we launched that standard and guideline and we started looking really critically at every ingredient and every product sold on the shelves. And um, it was something that I've been passionate about for a long time. But once we launched that, literally, we looked around and said, well, what's next? How can we continue to have an impact? And what's most meaningful? Uh, on a personal level at that time, I happened to run across the artist Chris Jordan, who I'm sure many of your listeners and many of the people in the community are familiar with. He does incredible uh, installations of art around waste and the impact of waste in America and around the world. And his series running the numbers back then was really impactful for me because it really exhibits how much waste we're contributing in the world. and 
specifically for me working at the time for a brick and mortar retailer. Now I work on the e-commerce side, but I started thinking about just that amazing impact that is being had every day that grocery retailers or frankly, any retailers open their doors. And, you know, it's really important, obviously, for food manufacturers and, and producers of CPG products to think about their impact in the supply chain and their impact on labor and their impact around the world. And then seeing that through to the end of life cycle around packaging and around the waste that they're generating in the world. And, and we, as an industry and as a company and, and throughout, the, throughout the natural and organic space, we're talking about regenerative agriculture. We're talking about moving beyond sustainability into regeneration and healing the earth. And meanwhile, we have this giant blemish on our records every time we sell a product because we're contributing to landfill. We're contributing to poisoning the earth with plastics and other contaminants. So it's something that we all need to be incredibly mindful of and something that we need to think about. I mean, the reality is, is that you know, roughly 30% of um, municipal solid waste is containers and packaging. And then, you know, to take that one step further, only 30% of waste is recycled in the U.S. and roughly only 34% of Americans recycle. So you think about even doubling that impact or, or increasing re recycling rates, even though that's not the end game here, but even if we were able to do that and double that rate, it would have an impact equivalent to removing roughly 50 million vehicles from the road. So this this impact that we have every day just by doing what we do um, is so crucial. And frankly, as manufacturers and people who are producing food and producing consumer products, there's a responsibility there because while you can rely on market and you can rely on consumers to drive the behavior, when you can influence it from the start, what greater impact is there that you can have? So it's something that we're very passionate about at Thrive. It's something on a personal level I've been extremely passionate about because the reality is, is we are in a consumer culture and people vote with their dollar every day. So when you can give them a more ecologically friendly choice, when you can help those decisions become that much easier without any takeaways, then you're really creating that virtuous circle and you're really creating change. So. That's that's the mindset that we try to live in, and that's the those are the conversations we have, both with third party brands we sell on the site. We have over six thousand products on the site, and only six hundred of them plus are, are a Thrive Market brand. So all the rest are third party brands that we partner with, and these are conversations that we're having both with those brands, and then more importantly on our Thrive Market brand because we control you know, a lot of the elements of production there. So we're able to really influence that. We're able to have that dialogue and we're able to build partnerships there. That is so fantastic that, I mean, this the situation is so dire, but that Thrive can use its position as this large retailer to have those conversations with brands. And, and like you said, just not your own private label, but really have a greater impact. So I, I love hearing that. But what is Thrive Market's history with sustainable packaging, um, even with its, you know, uh, a private label or with its uh, brand partners um, and what advancements has it made? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I, 
for those of you who aren't familiar with Thrive Market, our whole platform is based on a mission, and the mission is democratizing access to healthy, natural, and organic food for all Americans. So um, as part of that mission, we're a paid membership model where you pay a $60 annual membership fee, and then we donate a free membership to a lower-income family, teacher, and military veteran for every paid member that joins. And so you think about that, and I guess, you know, a lot of retailers or a lot of companies would rest on that alone as their mission, right? And uh, for us, it was never it was never good enough. We wanted to make sure that in fulfilling that mission, we weren't leaving behind a negative impact. So we made it our mission from the very beginning to look at becoming the first zero waste e-commerce retailer, uh, zero waste to landfill, I should say, e-commerce retailer on the market. So it was something where we looked at packaging from two different directions. One was all the inbound packaging and material we receive and, and, and then everything going outbound from our fulfillment centers. And that includes everything the products packaged in, in the boxes and secured in so that it arrives on your door safe and secure and not broken. But then also obviously all the actual consumer product packaging that actually holds the amazing food and the amazing health and beauty products and clean, household cleaning products that you're buying from us. So uh, for us, the parts that were quote unquote easier for us to control were the the pieces I was talking about before, which are how products arrive at your door. So we took the bold step to make sure that everything we use in our products, including all the boxes and all the filler we use are recyclable and or have high recycled content. Even our tape is made out of paper. And then from there, we went further into how do we reuse or recycle or um, find another end of life cycle that's more positive for anything we receive in the back door from our suppliers where we're purchasing and reselling to our members. So one example is our wooden pallets even are used for firewood are given away to staff or the local community near our fulfillment centers the filler for all of our insulated envelopes that we use when we're, where we're shipping during the heat of summer or we're shipping cold items is all recycled dem denim. Uh, instead of peanuts, we use all recyclable and recycled content paperboard, uh, even for our clean wine program, which we ship wine around the country too. So everything, every single input we have is either um, recycled, recyclable, uh, and then we reuse or reduce everything we can coming out of our fulfillment center. So we're really proud of that focus. And then on the consumer product side, uh, like I was sharing earlier, we collaborate with our third-party brands. We also collaborate with a number of industry trade groups. We're constantly talking to our brands about how we can do, how we can create more environmentally friendly solutions. Um, I think the biggest focus there, again, for us is always increasing recycled content, making products more recyclable, because while recycling rates are still low, we know that in the current landscape, that's the best impact we can have. Um, so the other interesting kind of virtuous piece of, of being e-commerce versus brick and mortar retailers are, are twofold. One, um, by creating an environment where you're shipping products to people's homes, you're organically creating a lower carbon footprint because you have one vehicle or two vehicles delivering food, delivering things, products to 
households all over versus everyone driving to a grocery store or everyone driving around. So there's this interesting dynamic there where you're reducing your carbon footprint. The other piece is inherently to ship products to people's homes, you're constantly fighting this battle of trying to find the lightest weight, um, easiest way to ship products that uh, will not break or will not become damaged. So we found migrating into soft film packaging versus rigid uh, is a huge benefit for our business, but it also creates roughly a 40% lower carbon footprint, just the energy expended to make the soft format packaged products. And also, if it ends up in landfill, it's roughly 70% less landfill space than rigid format packaging. So again, not the ideal. We're always hoping that you know, we're putting products into recycled, into recyclable packaging. So we're always hoping that people choose to recycle and they have that ability in their community. However, if it does end up in landfill, you're still reducing the space significantly when you move into soft film. So we've, wherever we can, we always go that direction. Um, and then from there, we dig deeper into it. You know, how much recycled material can we use? Is the material we're using recyclable? What are our options? How do we reduce that? How do we, frankly, minimize the amount of packaging used? We constantly are scrutinizing fill waste and we're constantly going back to suppliers and saying, no, please make this a smaller bag. Um, you know, we know it may cost a little more. We know there may be some burden there, but please work with us because the environmental impact is extremely important to us. And the same goes for working with our third-party brands. If we see something that's a red flag, or we see a, a, a package coming in that's not recyclable or, or recycled content, we ask the question, hey, what's going on? Where do you guys stand with environmental policy? What's your what's your protocol? How do you guys feel about this? And um, I can say, as you, as you said at the top, I've been doing this for a long time. And the beautiful part I've seen over the years, the evolution, is that more and more when you ask those questions, you're met with, an answer and, and typically a positive answer. And typically um, it's something people are thinking about and strategizing on or already in process on improving versus 10 or 15 years ago where it was, oh, we've never, we didn't even think about that. We were just trying to get a beautiful product to market. And so the thought is evolving and the amount of thought going into product development is at an all time high. And obviously there's continued room for improvement and continued room for collaboration so we can continue to solve these problems. But I love the fact that more and more people are thinking about it and more and more consumers are demanding that that thought. That's great. I love the the how granular Thrive is getting when they look in the, the everywhere, you know, the warehouses and everything and like what how can we do to reduce and that's that's really a great um standard for the rest of the industry to look up to. And I also love to hear that uh, you're, you're seeing improvement in the marketplace since you've been around. That's encouraging. And I know you discussed uh, several challenges, um, but what would you say is Thrive Market's biggest challenge in finding better packaging solutions? I think, you know, the largest one, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of two attached to each other. And, and, I would say it's it's scale um, and innovation. And so I think the biggest challenge we've had, and I've spent a lot of time on this topic with a lot of brands and a lot of industry groups, and and you know the challenge always seems to come back to two pieces, 
the innovation being there, what is the real solution? I think that's something we've all struggled with. We know that in the current environment that recycling is actually our best current solution. It's not the long-term end-all, be-all solution because we have to evolve and innovate past that so we have a better end-of-life story um, that's not just sustainable but moves past that. But in the current in the current landscape, even moving into you know non-synthetic or non-petroleum derived plastics, things like that, you you run into such a problem with scale um, that the that the packaging itself becomes so expensive that it affects the pricing of the of the actual healthy quality products you're trying to deliver. So we've wrestled with that a lot because we work with lower income families and we work with communities that don't have access to healthier products and don't have access to healthier food, whether it's economic or whether it's geographic barriers. So for us, it becomes a matter of, hey, we can't bear that burden if we're trying to ship organic beans, which are a super high quality protein and a really healthy uh, food product. We can't, you know, incrementally add 50 to 75 cents or a dollar for for just the packaging um, when it when you're talking about a product that typically costs only a dollar. So that's probably the biggest challenge is just working around innovation. But then once we innovate, getting to that scale so that we can pull the pricing down so that people who, you know, are just struggling to meet their needs for nutrition aren't bearing this burden of, okay, now I've got to pay double the price or 30% or 40% more in, in price premium for sustainable packaging when I'm just struggling to to eat healthy food. And so I think that burden and balancing out those two poles is probably the biggest challenge. So what is the next packaging hurdle that, that you're tackling at Thrive and, and what strategies are you using to achieve these goals? Yeah, again, we look at it from two specific tracks, if you will. One would be just our, our home delivery experience. And so we're focused on constant improvement there. And and uh, we we take the approach of we don't know what we don't know every day, right? So we look at it as, okay, how do we continue to evolve and improve what we're already doing? And so for us, I know even recently, we've been looking at alternatives to the paper uh, filling, filler that we use. And we're also looking at a number of innovations to take inbound waste and turn that into the filler we use. And again, I think the challenge there becomes how do we do that in a way that the end of life, you know, if it, once it's shipped to our members' homes, does it is it able to be curbside recycled? Is there is there output for the end member end user so that it's not going into landfill on their side? So we're always trying to balance out those two those two kind of competing ends. So, um, but I know for a fact, our supply chain chain team was already working on more innovation there. And every time they do that, they're looking through the lens of sustainability and how do we improve on what we're already doing. And if we're not improving on sustainability, we're not going to make that change. And so I think that's a constant focus of the team and it's a constant, uh, area that we're putting energy into to to continue and improve and and enhance. And then on the product packaging side, 
Um, in the short term, we're, again, looking to continue to evolve and improve all the materials that we are using. So higher recycled content, more recyclable materials, continuing to uh, focus on any, any areas where, you know, the suppliers we work with didn't have access to recycled content or, or recyclable materials, pushing that envelope every day. So those are conversations that we're having both on our private label side and, as I mentioned earlier, on the third-party branded side. We're just constantly asking those questions. We also do a lot of connecting the dots behind the scenes. Um, it's funny, we talk about this internally all the time, but we talk about the struggle of not, quote-unquote, not getting the credit <laughs> from our members because we do so much behind the scenes that no one ever is aware of around helping whether it be a third-party brand or whether it's a producer of, of a food product that goes into our private label with other producers of, say, recycled films for, for packaging. And so when we identify those, um, we're very open source about it. We're like, hey, you should talk to these guys because they're making products in soft film too. And let's build not only the scale for the material, but let's build uh, just the awareness level and the ability for for brands and other partners to use that same material. So that's something we're super focused on in the short term. In the long term, I think, you know, the big elephant in the room is how do we crack the code for truly regenerative packaging? How do we as a consumer culture shift packaging being a waste to packaging being a resource? And um, I think that's something that's a that's a dream right now, but it's something that, you know, we've got a lot of passionate minds thinking about and talking about across various industry trade groups in the natural and organic space. And so I think it's, you know, the more innovation that happens and the more great ideas that come come out, uh, the more we move closer to that world. And it's it's a big opportunity for us all because. It's probably one of the <laughs> the biggest man-made, um, you know, challenges or catastrophes that we're facing is is um, putting more waste into the world with, you know, every hour Americans discarding 2.5 million plastic bottles and, you know, 42,000 of them a minute and 2 million plastic bags being used every minute and half a billion plastic straw. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely staggering. So if you think about, shifting that narrative from this dire, oh my gosh, that's all waste, to how do we take that and, you know, a combination of using new, more sustainable, more constructive materials, as well as how do we take that quote unquote waste and turn it into something beneficial for the earth and beneficial for supply chain. Um, that's the real long-term win. So. So our plan there is just to continue to contribute and continue to help create market and continue to educate our members as well as participate within the community, um, whether it's a natural and organic space or whether it's um, sustainability in general and, and having those conversations and being open to outcomes and exploring. So I was poking around on the Thrive Market website and there was a blog uh, that you wrote and where you talked about compostable, right? So a lot of packaging is labeled compostable, but it's not, in fact, backyard compostable. I, I can't just walk out to my backyard and throw it in my compost bin. So why is this important to note and to communicate to consumers? I think the biggest 
challenge there is that, to your point, it's it's a misleading marketing claim, and it really provides false hope that that's a solution. And you know, I think all of us were, especially myself, I, I tend to be a quintessential optimist. I mean, I'm always looking for the solution, and I get really excited when I think we found a solution, right? So, I mean, when I first started learning about compostable plastics and bioplastics. I mean, obviously, you get really excited because you think, okay, these are non-petroleum derived. We're using other inputs. We're using plants. How exciting! The challenges are many, though. Uh, the the first first one for me that became really apparent was learning that, you know, a lot of those products labeled compostable, as you said, are not truly backyard compostable. Meaning, you can't just throw them in your backyard and they'll they'll compost you often have to take them to what's known as an industrial municipal or commercial composting facility of which, you know, there's roughly close to 5,000 of those in the United States. However, more than half of them are strictly for backyard uh, materials. So leaves and branches and twigs. So that leaves, you know, roughly 2000. And if you keep doing research, I always like to ask the question, do you know where your local commercial composting facility is because most people don't like for example i don't know where mine is in austin so that means you know when you start doing the math on that and you think okay i'm buying compostable plastic um but it won't degrade in my backyard and that means i would have to create another bin or another stream and i would have to collect it and i would have to take it to a commercial composting facility and actually get it processed to turn it into compost um, you think about the number of people I've, I've literally never met, and I and I probably hang out with the most environmentally responsible people. Uh, I've never met anyone who does that, to be totally honest with you. So, I mean, that's challenge number one, especially when you look at roughly only 34% of Americans actually recycling, which I think that's always a staggering stat for people too, especially people who live in metropolitan areas like San Francisco or LA or New York where recycling feels kind of forced and um but then you get into middle america and the rest of the country and i know even in the area i live in in austin you can kind of go every other house has a recycling bin so you think about exponentially multiplying that into composting um just the conversion and compliance alone is is a major challenge the next piece that's a problem is the contamination of the recycling stream um bio-based plastics cannot be recycled with standard plastics because a lot of the additives used make recycled material less durable once it's actually processed. So, and also a number of recycling facilities will actually reject entire lots of plastic if the percentage of bio-based plastics gets too high. So, you know, inherently we're creating this other problem now that there's been no true solution for. Um, by throwing bio-based plastics into a, an otherwise, you know, non-contaminated recycling stream. So, um, and again, like this is no fault of the average consumer because, you know, we're not conditioned or educated in that space. And um, as somebody who runs for a hobby a couple of times a week, and I just run around my neighborhood looking at people's trash because, you know, that's what we do in the CPG world. Um, not looking through it, just looking at it when I'm running by, just to clarify. Um, when you see it, though, 
you, you see, you know, people are throwing away plastics and in the recycling stream, they're even contaminating their own recycling stream with non-recyclable materials. So imagine, again, making that exponentially more challenging, talking about bio-based plastics, you're creating a whole nother, whole nother problem. And, and then the reality is, you know, if they don't recycle them and they end up in landfill, um, most landfills are entombed, which means the components needed for composting, uh, meaning light, heat, and oxygen, are not available. So when they're dumping, you know, or covering landfill, um, automatically you're taking out light and oxygen, which are crucial to composting. So really you're just creating bioplastics that then sit in landfill just as long, if not longer, uh, which is really not solving the problem. Um, the other inherent issue is a lot of compostable, quote on, or biodegradable plastics use other additives within the plastics so um, that are actually not friendly to the soil. So they're not necessarily feeding nutrients into the soil, they're creating contamination. So I think at the end of the day, still, the best solution remains to avoid single-use plastics as much as you possibly can. However, you know, that's not necessarily the world we live in. So buying less, buying responsibly, focusing on recycling, really driving those efforts, um, and then ultimately voting with your dollar and supporting those brands and companies that are supporting that mindset and are supporting really thoughtful supply chain development and, and have passion on around sustainability and education. Well, I admit I live in, I live in Phoenix and I have no idea where my compostable facility is and i'm sure there's one somewhere in this city i admit too but uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, for this podcast jeremiah and it's clear that you have a ton of passion here and for those who are listening who want to get to meet jeremiah in person and hear more please join us for the supply side west workshop sustainable safe and sanctioned packaging for cpg brands that's on friday october 18th at 9 a.m thanks again jeremiah Thank you so much. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.